This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. On first down and goal, Pirine barreling forward to the goal line. Still waiting for the official word as the officials run in. They'll unstack the pile. Touchdown, Denver. The call, of course, from our friends over at Fox, in this case, a little bit. And uh, old friend Mark Sanchez that's right, on the Mark Sanchez yesterday. A little and bit I interesting. Mark Sanchez did an outstanding job. I was a little surprised that Mark Schlereth was not assigned on Fox to the Broncos and Browns, but uh, that did not turn out to be the case. And I thought Mark Sanchez was uh, terrific on the commentary, but for the first time, in seven years, the Broncos' on-field story is the story. No ownership controversy, right. no off-field drama, no uh, player misbehavior, aside from our buddy Kareem Jackson, who seems to have a facility for getting himself suspended. But it is also being clearly desperate, uh, demonstrated that the Broncos do not need Kareem Jackson. Right. They do not need Lock, in order uh, to win. They have not yet lost a game missed by Kareem Jackson. Right. You're right. Including the one yesterday. They have now won five consecutive, only the Eagles, and it took them uh, quite a ride to be able to get to number five as well, have won five consecutive football games. Correct. And, and, and I get. Uh, really, for the season, uh, you know, five-game winning streak. Vikings had one that the Broncos broke. Right. Five-game winning streaks. That is that is serious business. Yeah, and and that's three, I think the trick. Even bad teams can win three in a row. Uh, not often, but bad teams win three in a row. Uh, four in a row, a uh, little bit of magic, uh, maybe a, against Minnesota, uh, a little bit of good fortune. You know, yesterday, it's, it's twenty nine to they were just the better I mean, team. I'm sorry, they were just better in every phase. They were better on special teams. They were better on offense. They were better on defense. They were stronger in the trenches. They ran the ball better than Cleveland did, certainly more often than Cleveland did. Why Cleveland abandoned the run was a question that Mark Sanchez was asking all day. Why they were relying on gadget plays, whether it be on fourth down, fumble, or late in the game, a double reverse that was maybe the silliest call I've seen in a Bronco game this year. I know there have been silly calls in other places, but in a Bronco game involving either the Broncos or the opponent, that was the one Sanchez couldn't stop talking about it, just how, how silly and unnecessary it was when the Broncos only demonstrated weakness remains their defense against the run. Yeah. And teams can run on them, but when the Broncos get the lead, it's easy even for a team like Cleveland to abandon uh, the running game. And, you know, w- with all due respect, uh, don't like to see anybody get hurt, but from the point of view of the Cleveland Browns, I, I just don't think Thompson Robinson is the best option at this point. And now uh, that Joe Flacco is with them, maybe Joe Flacco will be the starting quarterback yeah, I mean, for Cleveland. But that's Walker. Cleveland's problem. Now, Cleveland is still a playoff team, which the Broncos are not, as, as hot as they've been. However, however, you uh, start looking at some of these figures, and the Broncos are six and five. So, seven wins is definitely in play. 
Okay. Well, well, yeah. Now, now the percentage of seven and ten teams that under the current scheduling format make the playoffs, well, it's one out of fourteen. Okay, not very good. Eight and nine, eighteen percent. Two have made it. Nine of nine. However, nine and eight. Mm-hmm. 63% of the teams sure. that have gone 9 and 8 in the 17 game schedule make the playoffs. 7 out of 8 make it at 10 and 7 and 7 out of 7 make it at 11 and 6. There's never been although 11 and 5 teams would occasionally every couple of decades so miss the playoffs. The Broncos in 85, the New England Patriots, uh, I believe in 2008 won 11 and 5 missed the playoffs. Almost never happens. 11 and 6, your goal and you say, well, that's silly. Uh, the Broncos have one game left against the NFC. All the rest of their games, including the one yesterday, played against AFC uh, opposition. Their conference record is still not very good. Right. And that's the basis on which, at the moment at least, they're losing to Houston on on the tiebreaker. But that but gets next solved. Week, that, yeah. that doesn't matter. The Broncos, that's the totally in play. their control. They'll so, play. That becomes the big game of the year because Houston and Denver are the two teams pursuing uh, the Indianapolis Colts, who are also six and five. Yes, there is a six and five team in the playoffs in the AFC, and in the NFC, there are two six and five teams in the playoffs. And oh, by the way, a five and six team in first place that would also be in the playoffs, which means in the NFC, three of the seven playoff qualifiers are either. Five and six or six and five. And in the AFC, one of three six and five teams is in the playoffs at the moment. Denver is one of those three teams. And the Broncos are now ahead of Buffalo, Cincinnati, the Raiders, the Chargers, Tennessee, the Jets, and of course, the New England Patriots. Which, keep this in mind. Who come in here on Christmas Eve. Right. And, and of what course, figures to be an easy win? You mentioned the Chargers and the Raiders. After the game against Houston on Sunday, the Broncos have only one team with a winning record left on their schedule. That would be Detroit right. in that NFC yeah. game that you mentioned. So now all of a sudden, they have two games against the Chargers, who I, I get it that you could go into a we're – not, we're not doing a L.A. San Diego sports talk. If we did, I believe we could do easily a whole show – on why the Chargers are what they are, I don't know. But at 11 games into the season, and they're four and seven, I'm sorry, they're a bad football team. Yep. They are. They, they find ways yeah. to lose games, and yep. bad football teams find ways to lose games. So you get the Chargers twice, dead last in the AFC West. You have the Raiders, a team that you probably should have beaten earlier in the season in the opener, and now you have a chance to to beat them as well with a backup with a backup quarterback. You, you have New England, England that is a big, disaster. Big advantage. They are a mess. Yeah. So. You know, now Houston will be sudden, tough. Houston, Houston will be tough right? as a winning team. But you talk about that 60% chance of getting to, when you get to nine wins, you have four games left against teams with losing records. Four. You win three of those four against teams with losing records. Yeah. yeah. And you find yourself I, with a better I, than 50-50 chance of making the playoffs. I think nine and eight will make it in the AFC this year. That, just, just projecting. But you know what nine and eight I, would I mean, it's, though? It's That's a winning record. Separate out. That would be a remarkable step. Getting getting to nine oh, wins so. this season, even if would, they didn't, even if they didn't make the playoffs, having a winning record this season would be a monumental step in the right direction. And starting to look as if it probably not only could, but maybe even should happen. 
And for a team that started 0-3 and 1-5, that's remarkable. Yes. Yes, it, it is. And to me, in no particular order, the heroes of the piece are, uh, you know, I'll pick the player first, um, Russell Wilson, who I don't think is playing in a way that is much different than what we expected, but who knew, perhaps not even Russell Wilson, that as a game manager, he's actually performed brilliantly. He makes big plays when they're required. Listen, he completed 13 passes yesterday for 134 yards. That's not special, but in that package of throws, there were big plays, mm-hmm. explosive plays. And in the running game, Russell Wilson himself is making explosive plays as a runner. Who would have thought that was possible? And in the first half, he might have been their most effective runner as well as a passer. Went 5 for 12, kind of modest. But the second half, I mean, you take his second half, he's 8 for 10. The, 8 for 10 in the second half. The morph from Russell Wilson into being a the guy that goes out and gets big yards. You know, they showed the statistics at the beginning of the game with Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Russell Wilson. They showed them side by side, 353 career touchdowns to, to none. You know, 42,000 passing yards to like 185. Uh, he's not that guy anymore. But Russell Wilson, to his credit, seems to be understanding that he can be not only effective, but a winner as a quote-unquote game manager, and I understand that the Broncos fans, and probably the Broncos themselves, didn't think that that's what they were getting when they got Russell Wilson, but here we are talking about a game in which they won by more than two touchdowns, in which your quarterback had, ignore the passer rating, a QBR of 89.2. It was almost higher than his passer rating. That is outstanding. Yeah. And and the, well, he didn't the, do the idea wrong. behind QBR... Yeah. Is it showing your contributions in all the different ways right. that aren't just having to do with passing accuracy? It's a quarterback rating. Right. It's not your contributions a passer to the win. Is just passing. And what Wilson did again by making the right reads, the right throws, making the right times is when to tuck the football and run, including the touchdown that he ran for earlier in the game, have really been to his credit. Because I am sure this is not how he wanted things to go, too. But what you're talking about with Russell Wilson, and I get it. You know, he's, he's always over the moon, positive about everything, and it can rub people the wrong way. But it is not easy for players to do what he's doing. To have the career he was having, to have this disastrous year, to swallow the pride and play a different style of game in which you've never but, played before, and then on top of that, be really, really good at it. I know people, and I include myself among these people, Last year, linked the stats with the absence of wins and the wins with the absence of stats. Mm-hmm. I think Russell Wilson in the offseason came to the realization, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that in order to restore his reputation, stats weren't going to help. He needed to win. He needed to win. Win football games. And then 
nobody would talk about the stats if they were winning. And you know what? He's been right. The the national response so, about that prior I, to the game, you I watch some that of the shows. Has that's what they're talking him. about. That's allowed him certainly over the last five weeks, six five games, six weeks counting the bye week. That has allowed him, I think, to slough off any criticism about how he doesn't throw deep very often anymore, and he doesn't really. Uh, the, the amazing stat that came out of this game has come out of other games. Broncos have clearly shifted to an offense that is low risk. Mm-hmm. They are playing yes. complementary football. Who would have thought after week three that the strength of this team would be the defense and in particular, the defense's ability to take the ball away from the opponent. So they shift to a lower-risk offense. Um, Philadelphia Eagles did the same thing with Jalen Hurts two years ago, and look at where they are now. Right. All right. Actually, now, now Jalen Hurts is a much better quarterback than Russell Wilson, but Sean Payton had a great quarterback in Drew Brees. He's had to adjust to and accept Russell Wilson's limitations and not just pay lip service to complimentary football, practice it. And this is where Vance Joseph comes in. The fact that they're able to play this way on offense and win is a tribute to Vance Joseph's defense and things that changed about Vance Joseph's defense. And it has promoted the idea on offense of the quick check down and only 6.7 air yards per attempt for Russell Wilson, 4.7 air yards per completion. They are winning games, playing Wilson much more conservatively than the Houston Texans are playing a rookie quarterback. Oh, Where it's bombs away and let it fly, all right? Russell Wilson's approach, as far as I can tell, and I'm sure you agree and add on to what I'm saying. He looks at the first progression and maybe takes a peek at the second. If he doesn't like what he sees, he's taken off. There's no running around in circles like we saw last year right. when he got through two and sometimes even three progressions, nothing was there. He is a very good game manager under these circumstances. And you know who else? has cut down on the number of air yards per pass attempt and per completion this year? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes! Who's at 7.1 7. per pass attempt. I mean, he's at 7.1. Wilson's at 6.9 when you're talking so, about remember per attempt. Remember when we were talking uh, several weeks ago about the Broncos not having an offensive identity because they talked in August, as a lot of teams do, about being a power-running team, and we hadn't seen them become a power running team well you know what the minute we said that the following game they became a power running team and have remained that way with some big plays mostly to Cortland Sutton mixed in and an incredible touchdown catch yesterday by Troutman who was the only offensive player other than the guys who played every snap along the offensive line and Russell Wilson who played more than 90% of the snaps on offense. To say they are spreading the wealth, um, there's not a lot of wealth, but it is 
kind of sort of being spread around, certainly in the passing game. I mean, you're winning by 17 points. Yeah. You score 29. Against the best defense in the league. Against a the historically best. great yeah, defense from all point. we've been historically led to believe. Great. Right. Yeah, correct. And they score. Now, I know the safety got thrown in. And the takeaways help the offense. I get that. But putting 27 points on the board with only 13 pass completions, but it isn't the first time they've done that during this five-game winning streak. And the idea that the, the passing game isn't part of the equation is not true. It's it's where it's happening. Only six quarterbacks have 20 or more touchdown passes. Wilson is one. Uh, Josh Allen leads all quarterbacks at 24. Dak Prescott, 23. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa with 22, 21 from Mahomes. And Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson each have 20. But, 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 but touchdown but, to interception yeah. ratio, right. Wilson yeah. out of those six is by far the best. Yeah. And the next best is Prescott, who isn't renowned for, well, for that either. You know who this year reminds me of? It's Brian Greasy in 2000. With about A the same one-loss record. You know? A it, little it, bit. It, it's Brian Greasy in 2000. Now, the only difference is Russell Wilson is still playing. By this time in 2000, Brian Greasy was out with a shoulder injury and Gus Farratt was playing. And Gus Farratt was the quarterback of record when the Broncos made the playoffs that year and got run over by the Baltimore Ravens, which could happen again this year if the Broncos make the playoffs. <laughs> I, I suspect it could. It, it could happen, and the Broncos have never done well uh, head-to-head against Baltimore. But Baltimore is the best record of the AFC right now. And you look at everybody else. Recently, the Broncos beat Kansas City. They're playing as well as Jacksonville and Miami, if not better. Uh, Pittsburgh is 7-4, and four, minus 23 in point differential. Denver is 6-5 and five with a minus 34. So, dare I say it, in the coach of the year sweepstakes, Sean Payton is very, very much in the mix. Not outside the realm of possibility. Very much in the mix. I'd still go with Tomlin, but for right now, I think, at least in the AFC, the two guys I'd put up there, one and two, are Tomlin and Payton. And in the NFC, uh, Kyle Shanahan, maybe Dan Campbell. Philadelphia was expected to be good. Mike McCarthy's not going to get it. I mean, if you're talking about four guys who are in the running for coach of the year, Peyton's one of the four, one of the four top guys. I mean, I think you have to include John Harbaugh in there with that best record. And yeah. But the, the expectation is they were supposed yeah, to be but pretty they were good. supposed to be good. I, I, yeah, uh, but I, and listen, I think Harbaugh is and the funny the five or is, six best coaches with the a win. Had Cleveland played better, I don't think he's. I think Stefanski would have been in that mix as well with the Browns with all the injury situation being at eight and four. But here yeah. they are. Here yeah. they are. Uh, or eight and three. Pardon I, me. And here they are at seven and four after losing. Though. So the Broncos I, I think beat them. Peyton's now up there. Uh, you know, I, I, I love Mike McDaniel and the work he's done in Miami, but they, they've got to be. a beat a good team here uh, somewhere along the line. Well, the Broncos in the last few weeks have beaten actually quite a few good teams. And as Sandy pointed out, they're doing it by going old school. Of course, or, or teams that were good until the Broncos, until the beat Broncos them, ran they, into they skidded. them. All of a sudden, Green Bay is the only team they beat right. that got better after the Broncos beat A high-speed uh, NFL passing offense, that's not what the Broncos have. They're going back to the future, but it's working. Five straight wins. We'll talk about how they're getting it done on the ground against the best team in the league, almost 170 
rushing yards. We'll talk about it on my list sports. Sandy Clough and Chantrotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. On the road like this. Second and goal. Mims the motion man. It's Wilson on the keep. Russell Wilson for the touchdown. Russell Wilson with that rushing touchdown. You heard it there right on Fox. A little weird to have an AFC game on Fox, but it is what it Fox is. Fox didn't have a lot of games yesterday, uh, and there right. were only six early games, and how many late games were there? Oh. Not not the usual three, Yeah, it was four. just Was it four? Yeah, it was just yeah, a little odd, so they got switched around, but obviously Russell Wilson with the rushing touchdown. Wilson thus far now at this point, when you're talking about the way he has played, uh, he hasn't thrown any interceptions at least since... October 12th against Kansas City. Right. That's the only right. game in which he threw any interceptions. game they lost. Yeah, and he, throw, he, he threw two in that game. He hadn't thrown any in the two Five prior game to winning that. Streak. Five game winning streak, zero picks. No, zero picks. And uh, during that span, of course, eight touchdowns. Yeah. And so that's going to yeah. work. But also running. And uh, yeah. in this case, Wilson gets his uh, touchdown the first of the year, but an opportunistic one. And for a Broncos team that only has Three rushing touchdowns. Two of them yesterday. We heard the P. Ryan one at the beginning of the, the show. We heard the Russell Wilson one. The other one, Jaleel McLaughlin with the Broncos' first rushing touchdown of the year. Only Week two. Three, three rushing touchdowns the whole year. Yeah. Yet two here you are as a team that has recast yourself as a run-first team. They combined yeah. for 169 rushing yards on right. the ground against a Cleveland Browns defense that came into the, the game as the best in the league that as you pointed out, actually stacked up historically at this point with some of the best defenses we've well, seen the last just, half century. How much better they are. And again, these are basic stats, you know, yardage and points. And, and you were just grinding. But, but, but in terms of yardage, I mean, they, they're giving up what, a little over 200 yards a game, and the Broncos ran for almost that much against them yesterday. Just running. But just they just kind of stuck with it. Uh, Javante Williams, 18 yep. for 65. That's yep. 3.6. It's not dazzling. Uh, Wilson carried it 11 times for 34 yards. Yeah. 3.1 in that touchdown. And that was a 19-yarder. Uh, Samaje Pirine was the, the guy that really yeah. it was uh, running really hard yesterday. 7 for 55. 7.9 per. Yeah. He's a different guy. And, he's a different guy. But by and large, it's not as if he they were... He and Sutton are different guys now than they were during mm-hmm. the first... Something changed there. But 4.3 on the day for the Broncos. That's good. It's not outlandish. The Browns themselves averaged 4.5. And it's wouldn't the, run. The Broncos <laughs> are... They're sticking to their guns. Yeah. They're running the football, and they're not going to stop you know, running the football. It's easier to do that when you get out ahead. And they and they did yesterday. And, they're very much to, to their credit. Um, went up in the ball game and stayed with uh, the run uh, because they're able to do it. That's what happens when you're up 14 to nothing against a team that can't score. Let's, uh, let's right. be Correct. honest about also it. The, that. the Browns run the ball well, but to score points, you have to throw it 
and the Browns don't throw it very well. And, I mean, the epitome of the Browns' ineptitude yesterday came in the two-point conversion, wouldn't you say? Yes. When it's 14-12 to 12 and they're about to tie the game, right? Not, not that the Broncos wouldn't have won, but this was their chance to draw even. They had been behind the whole game. And they run another one of those gadget plays, which actually was the only gadget play they executed reasonably well. Thompson Robinson did not throw a great pass, but he throws it to Amari Cooper, and Cooper just drops it. It's a little behind it was, him. It was it's behind a little, little low, low. But you got to make that catch 999 times out of 1,000 if you're Amari Cooper. Uh, when you're, un, when you're basically it. unguarded. And, and you, you actually watch me? at the time you watch Justin Simmons and Pat Sertan, who somehow, and they're I, don't, like, I don't even know, it was their responsibility. They're doing Alphonse Gaston. Yeah, they're yeah. pointing at each other. They're, well, they're well, pointing you at each I other. Had him. No, you and you him. can see them be a little frustrated yeah. figuring Cooper's gun going to scoop that up. They no, don't. they're gesturing even after the ball's yeah, the, on the ground because they they're looking. They assume at he, each of course other, he caught and, it. Well, of course he caught it, and then they see the ball. On the ground. Like, oh, well, still <laughs> right. Here are the Broncos' two best defensive players, and they messed up. And, and they, the Browns they just, couldn't take advantage. They couldn't take advantage, and even the players on the field assumed that that they did. The Broncos have had the lead at the begin. They have taken the lead in the last five games. Now, not all of them have been substantial. You know, against Green Bay, obviously, it was nine. Against Kansas City, it was uh, seven. When you're talking about the one against the the Bills, uh, it ended up being nine again, of course, because of the missed uh, extra point. Only three against Minnesota, and then they lost that that lead. And then in this game, of course, the the 14. But they have had the lead. They have, they have had the first score in all five of their yeah, last games. That's right. And you're right. It enables them. To, even if it's only three points, it enables them to play a little more of the game at their preferred pace. So the way Sean Payton is scripting out the first drive or two of the game really has mattered. That was even good early in the season. Remember all those leads they right off the bat. It really was. So that they've they've been coming away with leads early, and that's enabled them to keep it on the ground. Isn't it amazing that? The Broncos lost not only to the Raiders, the Commanders, and the Jets, mm-hmm. but they lost those games at home. That's unbelievable. If they had won and even now, one of those. they're a team that beats Cleveland, a much better team than any of those other three, easily. Kansas they beat Kansas City, City much better than any Buffalo, of those other three, them. easily. Beat Buffalo in Buffalo. Um, okay, they had some good fortune there. But I mean, Green Bay, look at Green Bay now. Green Bay throttled Detroit on Thanksgiving. They did. I mean, just. They absolutely did. Skewered them. I mean, 29-22 does not represent the game the way it played out. Makes it look a lot closer than it actually was. And everybody who watched that game knows that Green Bay had it in the bag. I mean, they jumped out in the first quarter to a huge lead. And and played the percentages, mm-hmm. played like the Broncos have been playing from uh, then on out. And and they're missing people. Um, all of a sudden, Jordan Love has stats very much comparable to Brett Favre's first year in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starting quarterback in Green Bay. Jordan Love has stats that are just Watching as good. that game against Detroit, yes, he, he, he struck wow, me as he, a guy he that has improved. It, it clicked. 
Yeah. The game slowed down yeah. enough for him, and now it's Well, he was game. playing well before that, but he reached another Detroit, level against Detroit. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. he was brilliant. So, you 22 say, well, for 32 with three so touchdowns what? against Detroit. So what? Green Bay's a losing team. Well, Green Bay's 5-6, and six, and Green Bay is pretty much where Denver is in the NFC, right on the edge of making the playoffs. A game behind Seattle, a game behind Minnesota for the final two playoffs. And they get Kansas City next week, but after that, look at what's left for Green Bay. The Giants, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the the Vikings, that's a good game, and the Bears. Uh, The Packers, Packers may very well make the playoffs. Well, uh, because they're the team that's playing like a team that's going to make the playoffs. They look the night Broncos and day better. have, as you mentioned earlier, and I, I want to emphasize this point, three of their remaining, well, let's make it four out of their remaining seven against the worst five teams in the AFC right now. Yeah, yeah. Four of their remaining seven. They have one with or Detroit. Six. Yeah, four of the remaining six. Or six, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, they have Detroit. Mm-hmm. And they have Houston. And the Houston the game, if, if the Broncos win this game on Sunday, you can start yeah, seriously considering a, a December playoff run. And you, you know can, what? You can think, start thinking about it. If they lose, they're not out of it. No, you're still they, at 500. They're not, you're, you're still 6-6. Six and six. Now, you lose the tiebreaker to Houston based on head-to-head, and Houston at that point would be 7-5. and five. And, you know, they're, they're these five atrocious AFC teams. Raiders, Chargers, Tennessee, Jets, and New England. And somebody's got to play those teams over the final six weeks of the season. Right. So it isn't just the Broncos who have an easy schedule is the point Correct. I'm trying to make. I, I looked at, just glanced at Indy's schedule today. Indy's the last playoff qualifier uh, for today, anyway. In the AFC, their schedule isn't very tough. But, you know, I... I look at Indy, and, you know, Gardner Minshew played well yesterday. They and boy, does their coach dominant. has some guts. Oh, yeah. Fourth and one throwing that pass he threw. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a hell of a call. It's sure nice to that's have a Jonathan hell of a Taylor call. back, too. But, but Steichen, Steichen's one of the few rookie head coaches who, who's getting the job done. And, you know, you look at Carolina. Frank Wright got fired today. Yep. And you can almost count on one hand, as we've talked about in the past and other situations, Count on one hand the number of coaches who haven't made it through one year. Uh, Urban Meyer, Hackett, Reich now, Lou Holtz, uh, Pete McCulley in San Francisco in 78, and Bobby Petrino in Atlanta in 07. Those, since the merger, those are the only guys who haven't been able to finish a season for whatever reason. And he gets it today. Um, which I think was a foregone conclusion after the owner was caught coming out of the locker room yeah, yesterday, screaming profanities. screaming profanities. He became the first uh, first coach since the nineteen this is the merger in nineteen seventy to become to be fired in back to back seasons. Well, yes, and, before uh, the season was over. And then Reich, in this case, also Jeff said that he Saturday believe, succeeded him. Yeah, and now I don't even know who the successor is. It's some assistant. Coach he doesn't believe uh, Frank Reich said specifically that he wasn't done with coaching, but told the Charlotte Observer, quote, this is probably the final chapter of my NFL. Somebody jersey. said something, and I don't know. Journey, pardon me. I don't know who it was. They said, Frank Reich, this year, has aged 10 years. You look at him on the sidelines, he looks like he's 75 years old. 
He he was even last year. And I'm not really sure young they, and vigorous. I get it. I get that it wasn't a great year, but I you gave up a lot to move up to get Bryce Young. You know you have yeah. a, a a rookie quarterback. Oh, you kind okay. of throw him but, in the mix. Why why didn't they coach him? I, I mean, it, it, he seems uh, as uh, oh yeah, I don't think as, as someone as someone once said unscarred by coaching in the NFL. Got great coaching in college, but unscarred by coaching in the NFL. And the other interesting coaching story, which was not exactly denied yesterday, was reported by Jay Glazer on Fox, was that Brian Dable and Wink Martindale are about to all but throw down at this point. They hate each other so much. And when he was asked about it after the game, and this is after a win, and they won a couple, right? The Giants, right? Dable did not exactly deny it. He made a joke. He said the only thing we're going to fight about is the last piece of pizza on the table. But it wasn't exactly a denial. And the question, to the reporter's credit, was asked, and then it was followed up upon, and he didn't deny it. And Jay Glazer, I, I have my issues with Jay Glazer, but he doesn't make stuff up. He's, he's well-connected. I think sometimes too well connected for his own good, but that's, you know, John Fox's best friend back in the day, the story of Fox um, beating the Broncos to the punch in 2014 and basically making plans to coach the Chicago Bears before the Broncos fired him, and the Broncos did fire him, but Fox knew he was going to be fired. And so Jay Glazer reported the day of the game, before the game began, that, oh, John Fox is going to Chicago. John Fox and Jay Glazer are best friends. So, but but he's a, he was right, and I suspect he was right yesterday. He's he's a pretty good reporter. But the uh, in, in that Broncos sense. seem to but be. But the Broncos, who whose coaching seat. staff seem to be about ready to implode yeah. on itself, now all of a sudden the head coach is a coach of the year candidate. Yeah, well, and their assistant coach might be would be one if they hadn't given up seventy in a particular. Give game. me a coordinator. The turnaround. Give me a coordinator who's executed an in-season turnaround in the manner oh, that Vance I, Joseph I has. I don't think it's ever happened. Historically bad. Ever. Even Vance has used that phrase. The seventy points given up against the Dolphins to what they are now as a defense. And yeah, Justin Simmons is back. And yeah, Baron Browning is back. Baron Browning didn't play a great game yesterday. He committed a personal foul. Well, it's not as if Baron Browning was a pro bowler prior to this. No, no. Now, Justin Simmons was and is and is having a great year and has been the Broncos' best player since returning from injury. I'd agree with that. Offensively, defensively. and Sutton are up there. Bowles played the game of a lifetime yesterday against Miles Garrett. Dominated Miles Garrett. Best game of and his career. And Miles Garrett allegedly is is injured, and I'm 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 sure he's hurting. But you know but the old bromide: if you're hurt, don't play. He if didn't you play, you're not hurt. Yeah. After the game, he said, "I played through much worse than this, and I will play through this." And Rick Perea knows Miles Garrett very well. We in fact talked at length about Miles Garrett last week. Rick Perea says Miles Garrett is. Not only one of the finest football players I've ever been around, he's one of the finest men I've ever been around. He never makes excuses. That's what Rick Perea said last week. And that was before the game. And he made no excuses yesterday. 
No. Made none. No. And he got listen, beat. It, you you beat that defense, and they beat that defense yesterday. And I know Denzel Ward was out, but they Denzel Ward the last time I looked is a cornerback. Right. How many He's guys? Not they were throwing the ball. He's not a defensive lineman. Well, we'll talk more about this defensive turnaround with Cody Rourke in just a little bit. We'll, we'll turn our attention to the Denver Nuggets, who had a, a put things on cruise control despite missing two of their starters last night. But they have to go at it again uh, tonight. Second they, game of a back-to-back with travel. We'll touch they, base with yeah, the Denver Nuggets yeah, when we get back here on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Nuggets uh, win rather handily last night against the visiting San Antonio Spurs. Victor Wembayana, every bit the revelation that people uh, have been talking about. He's tremendous, but the Spurs Six don't steals, have a lot. Six steals, four blocks. Oh, my goodness. The, <laughs> Pretty the Spurs good for a need teenager. more help. But, uh, yeah, the... The, the, they, they get a good performance against a a team that is obviously a, a long way off from going to, to to be impactful. But when you look at the Nuggets, the way they performed on their recent road trip, which was abysmal, and we'll we'll get into the Clippers, but I'll t- but I'll tell you this: uh, we'll, we'll we'll just touch on this in the Clippers tonight. The the reports are that uh, Aaron Gordon uh, with the heel will miss the game. Jamal right. Murray will miss the game. Sure, um, and. Um, Nikola Jokic with a with back soreness now expected to miss his first game of the season. That to me screams the old uh, Greg Popovich second game of the back to back. Plus we're the ones traveling. That's a schedule loss. I'm not going to play my guys. Anybody who's got a tummy ache, why don't you tell me now? Uh, I think that's what the expectations well, are. The line moved to Clippers being a ten point it. favorite uh, against the Nuggets now. So Everybody's the, doing what, sure. what the Nuggets are doing now. Murray sure. and Gordon have legitimate injuries. Right. I mean Gordon shot over twelve the other night playing on a bum heel. Right. So they, they sat him last night, and if you sat him last night, you're sure not going to play Jokic, you could just night. put sore back, carrying Jokic, team. Jokic, sore back, carrying team. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's what it, it boils down yeah, to. This is a night of rest. And listen, the New Orleans Pelicans, who need wins more than the Nuggets, the Nuggets will get their wins. Uh, the Nuggets will get their 50 wins. Uh, New Orleans rests Zion on the backside of back-to-backs every time. And I would say, what, every two weeks they give them at least one game off, no matter what the schedule is, for rest. It's even listed that way. He's out resting. Now, they're real good when he plays. and They ain't so good when he doesn't. And then McCollum's out and Ingram's in and out of the lineup. So, yeah, the Nuggets can take a scheduling loss. A road loss, I this for years unless it's the last road trip which really wasn't very good because the nuggets just got blitzed basically mm-hmm. the last road trip the one game they won against detroit Jokic and malone got thrown out and that game was lost by detroit much more than it was won uh, by the nuggets and and listen the nuggets had some good individual performance christian brown was great in that game christian brown was very good on the road but their bench has been up and down and we knew and that was going to be listen, the case they, it, that's not a losing, shot. Losing, lose even to the Clippers. 
losing on the road is not going to set you back. And the one thing the Nuggets can say is that at home, they've held serve yeah. this year. So yeah, far. I'm not they, worried about they, tonight's They game. started the year with a couple of road wins, and they've slumped off since. I think the only road win they have since winning the first two on the road came in Detroit. That's it. Everybody else, including Houston twice, has far uh, tarred and feathered. Them. But 17 games into the season last year, you know what the Denver Nuggets record was? 11 and 6. Yeah. So, well, relax. I mean, this is, I, I don't think they're a threat to win 58 or more games. And that no. would be a record for the franchise as an NBA franchise. But that's the thing you used to care about when you didn't have a title. Exactly. Now that you have a title, no, you don't care. <laughs> you don't care no, about don't what care. the record is for the Greg most Popovich wins in a season. Won, won all those titles in San Antonio. Nobody cared how many regular no. season games they won. And you know who didn't care more than anybody else who didn't care? Greg Popovich didn't care because he figured, Okay, it might cost us home court advantage in a round or two. We can win on the road when we're, we're champions. When, when we're when we're healthy and when no. we're in good shape. Right. Yeah, we'd that, rather be trick. healthy than yes. have sixty five to seventy. And wins. the Nuggets need to feel the exact same way. I think that's the absolute right choice. And this bench was going to be a work in progress. Uh, you know, Reggie Jackson. I think has been uh, really really well, that's good. That's hurt the bench. And, and he's, he's, he's yeah. Now he's that he's had start. to start. But on the bright side, uh, as we talked about the the moment. That the uh, the idea that Jamal Murray would be out, we said November would be out from no- in November, and would, yeah. you wouldn't see him come until back in December. December. Well, December is Friday. Yeah. Well, interesting that that you hear that because uh, Sham Sharania, who is well plugged into the NBA scene, went on uh, FanDuel TV this morning, and here's what he said about Jamal Murray. So I'm told Jamal Murray will not return tonight against the Clippers. Oh, so we're close, though. We're close. That's but after tonight, it's going to be a day by day process. They're going to see how he feels over the coming days. He could return this week. He could return as soon as Wednesday at home against the Rockets or on the road Friday against the Suns. They're going to just see how he feels literally day by day. But the fact that they're at the point now where it's every single day you see how he's feeling. Yeah. Denver's just 5-5 five and five without him this season. And he's one of the games, to me, the, one of the game's great competitors. He's a guy that always turns it up come playoff time. That's what you need. And so he's just going to make sure he gets right. It's regular season time right now, but I'm sure it's eating at him. He, I saw a video. Oh, he was yeah. shooting jumpers during halftime in street clothes. So <laughs> this is a competitor that it's eating at him to be sitting these games, but he his return is imminent. Well, okay, that, that's fine. Listen, even if he is physically ready Wednesday, let's say, what you do is you wait one more game. Wait, wait one that. more game. When he says, I'm ready to go, you say, good, Jamal. We'll see you Friday in Phoenix. Right. You have the games uh, Friday in Phoenix and then a Sunday, Saturday against uh, Sacramento in Sacramento And there's no well. way he'll play both those games. I would he'll not play think in so. one of them, and maybe it'll be the and, Saturday game. And that game. might be why. But and if see, he plays Friday, he won't play Saturday. If it were me, here's what I would do if I were the Nuggets, because their schedule is weird, okay? It's it's weird, thanks to the way that this uh, the in-season tournament makes one tweet. They play... Tonight against the Clippers, they play Wednesday against Houston here in Denver. They play Friday and Saturday night. They don't play again until Monday the 11th. If I'm the Nuggets, I'm in no hurry. He can miss the next. He can miss this few games and then come back on the yeah. 11th well, with Aaron Gordon and whatever they have. You know what? You, you lose to Phoenix, lose to Sacramento, whatever. Uh, it's early in the season. It's, yeah. it's not going to be tiebreaker type stuff. You're not giving the, those teams anything to look at. Uh, it doesn't bother though me. Though I do find it beyond heartbreak. That the Nuggets will not win the end season. Oh, I know, right? I, I'm just brokenhearted. I couldn't sleep all weekend because once they lost, I think it was Houston. Was Houston? I think it was Houston. Right, yeah. Once it, they it took them out of the uh, in season tournament, 
and I, I was unable to sleep who's, Friday night, Saturday night, or tournament. last night. I'm, I'm just so distressed over Do that. we even know? I mean, who's in the in-season tournament? Everybody. Well, I mean, they're just no, in I mean, different who's, groups. Who's left? Do, well, I don't know. Are we down to a certain number of teams? I don't yet? Mean, New Orleans seems to be doing okay. I mean, Danny Bailey's plugged in. He's just I, staring. I, I don't well, know. Nobody he knows. has no idea. You know why? Because nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I get it. It's I not, watch basketball anyway. It's not hurting anything. I don't watch basketball when the Broncos play. Otherwise, I watch a lot of basketball. I guess you got the Pacers. For those who care. Anyway, I don't care about an in-season tournament. And Bucks. the Nuggets obviously don't care either. No, nor should they. Nor should they. It, it's irrelevant. These are regular season games. If you happen to stack them up and get wins, great. Uh, it doesn't really matter. And so... I like the fact, I like the approach tonight that the Nuggets are doing what they're doing with the with the injuries. No reason to play Jokic. Uh, hopefully there's no reason to, to play Murray. And keep well, in you mind. You know he's a pro and he'll play tonight. Probably play a lot. DeAndre Jordan. He is yeah. a pro. Now, he hadn't played in ages. He comes in last night, and I know it's the Spurs. I get it. But six points, six rebounds, one assist, just one turnover, 12 minutes. It's all you needed. And this is an opportunity and he for was a pro last night. Peyton and he Watson is a pro. to 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 get big minutes. It's yeah, an opportunity. He was, he was a little better last uh, night. He was bad on the trip. Julian Strother with an opportunity to probably pick up some more minutes. Although, uh, boy, if you uh, just say this, if you uh, like, you know, playing a little bit with some of the numbers of our friends over at, at Superbook, uh, I don't know what Michael Porter Jr.'s over under and points are tonight, but you might want to look at it. Yeah. Because he's only one, left. he's been scoring quite well, and uh, then he's kind of yeah. the guy. He, he was so-so on the trip, too. They just they just weren't real good. Um, they're playing these you know, teams like Orlando and Houston. They're up-and-coming young teams, uh, and, and they're good teams right now. I think it's hard for the right Nuggets now. at this stage Orlando, to get up for those. Orlando's 12-5. and five. They're ahead of everybody in the East except for Boston. Yeah. Right? They're good. Bonchero is good. Uh, yeah, he is. Wagner is good. I they, think they, I think they have good players. We just They're run well into the coached. same thing. They're it, a good team, but you see it with the teams that are really good. You see it a little bit with the Avalanche, and we'll get into them in a bit as well. But the sometimes these teams that know after you win a title or after you know you're that caliber of team, sometimes there are stretches in the regular season in which it's just hard to get motivated. And that's human nature, and a guy like Popovich understood it. That's why he used to call that's games right. like tonight a schedule loss. That's right. And the nice thing is you see it with both Jared Bednar and with Michael Malone, guys who have yeah. now won titles, that understand, right. okay, you know what? I used to push for these. I used to think they were all that important until I actually won one and realized but, I didn't need that as much as I thought. By the way, the Avs played their third game in four nights tonight here against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's right. And they're coming in. Quite frankly, pretty hot. We'll talk about that. They them. are, but who's hotter than the Avalanche right now? I don't know that anybody is. Ever since Jared Bednar called him out, apart from kind of an inexplicable loss in the last 40 seconds at Nashville a week ago tonight, they've been unbeatable, and they've played that way. They've played in a manner that suggests no matter what happens, nobody's going to beat them. And I think the one game they did lose to Nashville is just a, a reminder that, you know, okay, you give up an extra attacker goal, but you can't give up another one before the end of regulation. You got to come out of there with at least a point. But but I think it was a good lesson for them. And, you know, the stuff happening around the avalanche right now, I think is very encouraging. And I want to say this real quick. 
because uh, I'll forget to say it later. Good for Samuel Girard. That takes a lot of guts. And, you know, it, 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 people heard, well, it was alcohol-related, and they got all excited. How can a guy making that kind of money, you know? It wasn't an alcohol problem. I know I've had mental health issues myself. It was an anxiety, depression problem that led to more drinking. That did, it, It's anxiety and depression. He's being treated by the league. Right. And that's what he's being treated for. Mental Not health for drinking too much. It's a mental health. health issue, and good for him and having the guts to come out and say that explicitly. Yeah, it's no difference. Mental health is health. It's no different than spraining an ankle or breaking an arm. It's health. you got to take care of it. Your brain runs the whole show. The Denver Broncos have been playing extremely well. No team in the NFL is hotter. Can you believe it? And as the defense has turned it around. Well, there was a person right here at My Life Sports who talked about that all year long and said, just wait, it'll round into form. Turns out he was right. We have to give Cody Rourke an opportunity to puff out his chest a little bit. We'll do it next on My Life Sports.